Hello everyone, and welcome once again to In the Finest Half Hour, I suppose it is this time, a 40k podcast about playing competitively with tips and strategies you can use in even less time than normal. I am your host, Sean Morgan, sometimes known as Abuse Puppy, and I have with me, as always, your good podcast host, Shayla Allen. Also known as Second Interrogator today. Yes. And our evil podcast host and featured star of the show, Joshua Death. Nah, yes. I get to be the star. Yes. Uh, so this is a little bit of a divergence from our, our normal sort of thing but in a different way than our last time, as we are going to be talking about a unit that Joshua took to the LGT that has garnered a bit of attention, the Hunter Tank from the Space Marine Codex. So we're going to kind of go through and talk a little bit about why he took it, what's different about it, and sort of why it's gotten the attention it has and why it's serving the role that it has in his list. So Josh, do you want to talk a little bit about your army just kind of to start things off here? Yes. So just a very brief synopsis of the of the army. The LGT, so the White Scars were kind of freshly off, off the presses. And uh, I brought the uh, White Scars, Supreme Command, get a couple, you know, punchy characters. They're good at combat. Uh, and then I ran my very uh, tried and true Crimson Fist battalion with the big blocks of intercessors and a couple support characters. And that's kind of been my anti-horde for quite a bit now. And then this time I decided to try something new with that new Space Marine book. I tried the custom chapter where you make your own successor chapter. Mm-hmm. And I ran with a lot of small MSU style units, uh, small cheap units, because I took the Master of Artisan chapter tactic, which is the uh, reroll one hit, one wound roll per unit. Yep. Mm-hmm. Then I took the Stealthy uh, other one, uh, so they always get cover over 12 inches away. Oh, yeah. And uh, so the, the majority of that entire detachment was less than 100 points. Threes, five-man attack squads, it had a drop pod, it had uh, a venerable dreadnought with a couple autocannons, it had three hunter tanks, which obviously we're going to be talking about, two tech marines with conversion beamers, and then the most expensive part was the whirlwind scorpius. Hmm. But everything else was really fairly cheap in there. And uh, again, it was one of those, take advantage of the chapter tactic, you know, try and get as many re-rolls in as I could out of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But the hunters really kind of were the shining point of, of the list. So I guess to kind of give a brief overview of what is the Hunter, for those that really don't know or haven't uh, haven't seen it yet, the Hunter tank is a 75-point Space Marine tank, heavy support choice. It is a standard Rhino-style chassis, other than it is T8 yeah, instead of T7, which is really, really big. Mm-hmm. And it still has 11 wounds like a lot of the others, 3-up uh, save, and it only has a single gun. It doesn't even have a Stormbolter, it has a single gun, which is like a a uh, one-shot missile, and it's a uh, 60-inch range, mm-hmm. strength 9, neg 3 AP, D6 damage. So pretty much like a 60-inch range last cannon. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then if you combine that with that reroll, you get to reroll hit and reroll wound. It's nice. The One of the nice little icing points on it is it has a rule that it gets a plus 1 to hit and a unit that has a fly keyword. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But so far, I think it is the only unit in the game that I can think of. I may be wrong, but it's one of the only units in the game, if it is not the only, that does not get the minus for not shooting a fly unit. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it only has the bonus, unlike even the Stalker, it's kind of brother tank, also does have the minus one, but the Hunter does not. Exactly. So you add that in with the rerolls, and I mean, it's kind of nice. The big reason that I like the tank 
So actually, before we even go into why I like it, why did it suck? I mean, why why all of a sudden are the hunters good and they they sucked previously? I mean, that's kind of a big one. I think you already hit kind of like the big thing. It's got one Laz cannon on a 70-point tank. Yep. That is not really designed to impress. (laughs) No. Single-shot guns, even ones that have a re-roll, you're still needing a three to wound. Yeah. So chances are very good that in any given turn, you don't even get a wound in. Nope. And then they might make their save. <laughs> yeah, because it's it's minus three AP, so you know, even your generic tank out of cover has still got a six up against it. And, you know, even if you hit, even if you wound, even if everything else goes perfectly, you can just roll one on the damage. Roll one on the damage, exactly. It's it's really yeah, and the fact that prior to this codex, it was Oh, it was over 100 points, I think. It was like, I think it was like 105, 110. So it was like, it was almost 30 points more expensive. Yeah. Which is huge. I mean, that's a yep. monster point. I mean, it's like, what, a 30 plus percent point drop? Yep. Yeah. So that was the first thing that drew my attention to it. I was looking through all the, the marine points and I was like, wow, this thing went down a lot. What is this? <laughs> I looked at it. I'm like, mm-hmm. huh, the gun kind of sucks, but I would just pay 75 points for a T8 model with 11 wounds to sit in the backfield sure i'd pay 75 points just for that the fact that it has a gun it's kind of gravy and shock assault for no real reason right (laughs) yeah (laughs) just in case you need to get that fourth attack in yes (laughs) it's amazing i forgot about it every time i I went to use it my my opponent was like you have shock assault on that i'm like oh yeah that makes no sense (laughs) yeah i guess i do Space Marine tanks are faster. I mean, you figure previously it was 100 plus points, still only had the one gun, and didn't benefit from any of those new synergies with the Marine book. So, mm-hmm. you know, it, it's those previously it was pretty much in that on that shelf of you just don't you just don't bring it. It was it was there was 80 other things in the book that were better. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you just didn't bring it. Uh, I mean, I don't know. Did you guys ever see them on the table? Oh, God, no. No, they were awful. I yeah. saw one because someone had been gifted one and didn't understand what a bad idea this was. Right. <laughs> so we brought it by mistake. <laughs> I mean, you can even think about it in comparison to the Predator before. And the Predator was kind of like a middling tank anyways. But yeah. it was almost the same cost as a Predator, but you had one gun instead of three. Yeah. Which is like... Oh, well, that's not great. Yeah, exactly. So obviously it got a huge point drop. Uh, You know, 75 points is fairly cheap for a vehicle that is is that tough. Well, basically you're getting a rhino that can sit in your backfield and occasionally shoot a big bullet. Right. As Josh said, that's actually, there's nothing to be wrong with that. That's a completely acceptable backfield unit. Yeah. As Josh kind of noted, like, Toughness 8 is actually a fairly big deal. Yeah. It's a huge, huge 7 to 8 in this game is monster now. Yeah, because mm-hmm. not only does it take bolters and other similar guns up to wounding you on 6s rather than 5s, but a lot of the kind of generic anti-tank you see is strength 7 or strength 8. And that will often push their wound numbers down a tick, which can be pretty big as well. It's like as tough as a knight, which is annoying. Mm-hmm. Other than the invuln. And the fact that as long as it's over 12 inches away in the variant I was taking, it always counted as in cover. Yep. So it pretty much always had a two-up save. Yeah. Which makes it even harder to kill. You know, and at that point, you don't need an invuln, because most weapons are only going to be AP3 anyways. So you might as well have a five-up. Exactly. Yep, still getting that five-up. Uh, that That is a very tough platform for its points. 
I think the thing that might deter a lot of people, though, is like, okay, we get it, like, it's fairly tough, the firepower's no big impressive thing, but, you know, no one's really expecting it out of that tank. Yeah. Did you have problems with melee and getting wrapped? Uh, I did briefly against uh, Nick when I played him in the Invitational. Sure. Um, that was one of the only times I did, uh, mainly because I did make a mistake in the, in the gap in the gap that I put in him, the spacing. Mm. One of the things I was actually very fond of, and most of the other games where I would use it. So one of the things I like about him is because they have that built-in reroll. You know, they don't have to babysit him. You don't have to have like a lieutenant or a captain nearby. Oh yeah, they are one hundred percent independent. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So quite often, I would, uh, if I'm playing against an army that really didn't have anything big, even remotely worth trying to shoot that gun at, mm-hmm. I would. But let's say it was a combat-oriented army, like demons or whatever, I would actually drop them on the line, nut to butt across the front. Oh yeah, butted to each other and make this T8 wall in front of me, and the the footprint was so big that it was actually hard for most units to actually try and wrap them, letting them get away. Right. To be sort of clear, and I think what Josh is saying there, is if you put them sort of right next to each other, such that there is not a large enough gap for someone to even fit a model in between them, and you put three of them lined up that way, the enemy actually can't wrap them unless they wrap all three of them simultaneously, which is very hard to do. Yeah. You need a fairly big unit with a lot of movement that can do it. Yes. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, like, that is a trick that people are starting to realize, is you can use your own models to prevent wraps. And, yeah, you'll still have to fall back. They will have touched all three of those units pretty easily. But if your firepower is worthless against them anyways, who cares if you can't shoot? Exactly. Exactly. Uh, I've been using that technique with my five rhinos. Yeah, exactly. Sure. It's like, oh, no, my storm bolter. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) <laughs> and you just wait. You fall back, you unload a bunch of bolters into them, and you try and clear them out that way. Or exactly. D6 mortal wounds, whatever I feel like. Yeah, or, or both. I also tend to take engineer a lot that event. Uh, I don't normally take engineers that often, but I took engineers a lot because I just put it on one of those tanks. And it was insanely annoying for my opponent because now they're trying to kill a tank that they really kind of wanted to ignore. Right, because especially in those games where you would take it, where, like, oh, you have nothing good for me to shoot, they obviously don't want to shoot your worthless unit. Exactly. Even though that tank costs about the same as, say, a squad of tactical marines would, uh, it is wildly harder to kill. Because, you know, T8 instead of T4, small difference there, and twice as many wounds also. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that so so it really kind of served almost more as a utility unit than anything. Yes, that is exactly what it was. Which kind of goes into the other thing where I mean everyone seems to know my style in that I like the the uh, heavy synergy toolbox style mm-hmm. play, and and that unit just amazingly fit that bill, especially for the uh, the insanely cheap cost. Right. So let's let's talk about that gun a little bit. How useful was it actually? Did it ever really surprise you in any matchups, or was it a letdown every time? Yes, yes. Uh, two matchups actually really really shocked me. So one uh, because there is actually a stratagem in the new Space Marine book. Yeah, that is for the hunter. I was wondering about that. Yep, there's one command point stratagem, and it's uh, when a hunter declares its shooting at a unit with a fly keyword. It has to have a fly keyword. Mm-hmm. One command point, the hunter gets a plus one to hit and a plus one to wound. Right. Oh. And so 
with the fact that it's strength nine, bliss skill three up, it already has a built-in plus one to hit the flyer. So you're you're netting a plus two to hit with the reroll to hit roll mm-hmm. at a plus one to wound. So most likely, I don't know a lot of fly things that are higher than T eight. Tyranid super heavy the uh, that you don't see that is so so it's like a twelve hundred points or something now. Yeah, you'll never see one on the table. That's horrible. You're most likely to see it as you are to see a granite storm raven. Oh, less likely, I would say. Uh, sorry, sorry. Thunderhawk. I used the wrong word. Yeah. Thunderhawk. Yeah, there you go. Uh, so, yeah. So, like, so 99% of the time, you're wounding on twos with it. Yep. So, it's, it gives you that plus two to hit. So, if you happen to hit a flyer with a lot of negatives, like going after the Eldar flyer or whatever, and then you get that, and then you're wounding on twos. Well, yeah, because even that Ally talk would still be hitting on a three with a reroll, which mm-hmm. is pretty good. Exactly. On turn one, because of the Devastator Doctrine. It's actually neg four AP. Mm. So it goes through most flyers' straight armor as well. Right, because not a lot of flyers have invulns. Exactly. So then uh, the last little icing in that stratagem is if you happen to roll a six to wound. Oh, right. It does double damage. And I believe that is a if you roll a six up to wound. Yes. So that plus one to wound means if you're getting a five or a six? So I have a tendency to lean more towards the, uh, when I ran it, I ran it as the unmodified rather than the modified. Mm. I think a lot of it is because a lot of the, the new marine book stuff seems to be gravitating towards the unmodified sixes for most of its triggering. Fair. It might actually be six plus because it, it it's not striking correct in my mind. So it might actually be, which with that stratagem would mean you're triggering that ability on a five plus. But yeah, it's. I mean, it was just an amazing, and actually twice worked that that entire tournament. I have worked it twice. Yeah. Once, uh, I actually one shot with the reroll. I one shot a Eldar flyer. Uh, I rolled a six on the damage. Uh, after I, I rolled a one on the first roll for the damage, and then I command pointed it. Of course. To a six, and so it did twelve damage. Drop that thing. And uh, it was the Dark Eldar flyer, so he made his feel no pain rolls, and he still ended up dying. <laughs> and I was really. Pleasantly surprised at that. I was kind of like, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and then one other time, it actually took out a uh, Custodes Grav Tank in one shot because it technically has fly. Right. That was pretty gratifying. <laughs> yeah. that's. I think that's the thing that is easy to forget of just how many units there are out there with fly these days. Fly is a... Fairly common keyword, all things. Well, because it's such a powerful keyword, even on its own, that a lot of pe- a lot of people gravitate towards it just as like a utility piece for movement and falling back from combat and all of that. Oh yeah, you want to nuke a smash captain with it? Sure. Sure. Actually, that's that's literally I was just about to mention. Uh, one of my games I played against the typical plague bear list. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I, I've noticed I was really utilizing again on the on the utilitarian aspect of these is I would move them a lot, even when I'm trying to shoot it. Oh, yeah. I mean, you get a plus one to hit fly, so if it has fly, you can move and shoot pretty much without taking the minus, and you still get the rerolls. Yeah. To hit and wound. Because three up with a reroll is perfectly acceptable. Yeah, and then strength nine, you're most likely wounding on a three up with a reroll, so odds are decent. Yep. And I played against that army, and I was able to, in one turn, uh, clear the Plague Bear screen this, well, on the second turn when I finally tried chewing through it. And the Hunters, that turn, had moved up the flank on the side of the table, and now all of a sudden he had all these oh. Thousand Sun Sorcerers and Demon Princes just wide out in the open with three with three Hunters. And of course he put jetpacks on his Sorcerers. So now they flew. Yeah. 
So the hunters, literally each uh, of the three hunters, two of them were able to pick off two sorcerers because it's neg four AP during the Devastator Doctrine. So yeah, it goes through straight D six damage. And so that was, I mean, again, it's the utilitarian aspect of them is really, really awesome. They're very defensive. They can help your castle if you need to castle up. Mm-hmm. Engineer them if you have to. And then also a lot of times, uh, like mid to late game, I would just shove them out there to go after objectives. Because they're right. big, tough things, and you don't want to deal with them. Yeah, they're TA with 11 wounds. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's an obnoxious thing to chew through at the best of times. So, uh, what, would you recommend the Hunter in kind of like a more general case? Like, do you think this is something that Space Marine players are going to be using? Or is this sort of a uh, a slightly more niche vehicle that you don't think is going to be very commonplace? For me, my, my recommendation would be any army, any Space Marine army that is wanting uh, some, syner- some uh, utilitarian objective grabbing and backfield presence... The hunter fits the bill. Hmm. It, it it literally is. I mean, for seventy five points, you cannot like you mentioned. It's the cost of a tactical squad. I mean, it, it is. It you cannot buy a better unit to be your backfield presence. It's it's footprints big. It's tough. It actually happens to have a adequate gun on it when it connects. Right. And you can use it for rushing up forward, blocking off charges, deep strikes. You get the occasional smash captain. Oh my god. I totally, Shaylin mentioned the Smash Captain. I actually killed the Smash Captain on Overwatch <laughs> with a Hunter. <laughs> there you go. That re-roll, that re-roll is really uh, obnoxious. <laughs> oh, yeah. Let me throw something something out there and see how you think about it. Uh, I've seen a lot of people talking about the Impulsor, the new transport that Space Marines get. Yes. Not a lot more expensive than the Hunter, but otherwise has a very similar stat line. Mm-hmm. And probably has a uh, similar, roughly speaking, gun overall. I mean, the gun's not actually the same at all, but in terms of what it's going to achieve in a lot of cases, it'll be it'll be somewhat similar. And are they T8 as well? They're still T8, right? I think so... Yeah, if they're T8, then yes, I would say that's brilliant. I didn't even think about that. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of people talking about the Impulsor because it flies, it has the minus two to charge. It becomes an even better utilitarian model and defensive wall at that point. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's it's something worth thinking about is that you do have a gun that is potentially useful in on the Hunter, and the Hunter is cheaper than the Impulsor. I think the Impulsor comes in at like 90 plus upgrades or something like that. Mm-hmm. Which isn't, I mean, atrocious, but I mean, you take like two or three of them, it can add up, yeah. Oh, yes. And I think a lot of the people are talking about taking more than two or three. They're talking about taking like nine or ten. Oh! Spam! Oh, because this is dedicated, yeah. For those who may not be on the, the cusp of list building, there is a uh, Iron Hands Impulsor list that ends up taking like 10 of those, plus all of the other stuff, and you basically just have this wall of metal that is impossible to touch. <laughs> That's obnoxious. <laughs> we'll just go ahead and uh, we, won't, we won't do the long form version, but say that I am not excited about all the new Space Marine stuff. I'm not pleased with where it's going. Yes. I second that 100%. Yeah. Uh, so, Josh, did you have anything you wanted to kind of, like, round out this little talk about the Hunter with? Um, just, I'm going to touch base a little bit on what, what you mentioned. You know, is it is it something that every Marine Army should bring? No. If you are trying to build a 
one of those quote unquote well-rounded or you know all comers the the mythical all comers list mm-hmm. then yes i would i would lean towards it if you're trying to do more of that all comers list but if you're not if you're playing like a, a very harsh hardcore aggressive list or a, a table control list or a bike list or whatever no, no, it's it's definitely going to be more of the either you're running, you know, uh, the all comers list or the well-rounded or kind of toolboxy list. So I, I would lean towards that because of the utilitarian aspect of them, mm-hmm. because other than that, they really don't fit a role like they really actually don't fit a specific role in any of those type lists, you know. Mm-hmm. Would you ever run them without the master artisans to give the re-rolls? Because I feel like that's pretty key to making them work. So they actually, the, in their data sheet, they already have a built-in reroll to hit. That's already built into them. Right, but only to hit. The reroll wound, yeah. The reroll wound is really what makes them awesome, in my opinion. Like, that's really what just sets them from they're good to they're actually awesome. Because it, it takes that one weapon and actually makes it a reasonable threat. Right. It makes it reliable. Because it means you are om- you are generally going to get a wound on anything you shoot at, as opposed to sometimes getting a wound. Exactly. The Master of Artisans is what, for me, takes it into the realm of, yes. Uh, other than that, it's kind of, okay, but there might be something better to put in that spot. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, I think that basically covers it for our kind of little mini-topic today. Uh, hopefully folks found this illuminating. Uh, there are a lot of interesting units in the new Space Marine book. I may not be super happy with what they did with things overall, but they certainly made a lot of these kind of trashy units a lot better. Mm-hmm. The Stalker also was improved, for those of you who were wondering. We didn't really talk about him much, but obviously also uh, a significant bump upward. And likewise with a lot of the other bad units in the Space Marine book. So that much, at least, we I think we can say is a success. So, yeah, try some of these units out if you want to. Play around with them and, and get a feel for this new things, because a lot of them saw pretty big improvements. Well, also, as Josh pointed out, like he, he goes and he tests all these obscure units... Finding the hunter was his reward for doing that. Yes. Right. And if you are looking for that kind of off-meta list, something a little bit askew or unusual, then these units are, are potentially where you're going to find that. So they're definitely worth trying out. Trust me, you, sh- you didn't want to see the couple trial games prior to that where I was trying to see if Ironclad Dreadnoughts were amazing. Hmm. By the way, they're not. Yeah. Still just a little bit below what you need, I think. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it could be worse. It could be a Grey Knight Dreadnought, dude. Yeah, it could be most Dreadnoughts in the game. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Although I have heard tales of some pretty powerful ironclad Dreadnoughts in an Iron Hands list. The secret is you make them characters so they don't get to shoot at them. So don't get blown off the table and that's when they die. But when you have that character that's a flat five damage weapon coming in, that's pretty, yeah, that can get awesome when you, you know, can make it to where he doesn't get lit up. Right. Mm -hmm. So I think we will kind of wrap things up here. If any of you had any questions, maybe you want to know a little bit more about Josh's list or have a list of your own you're struggling with or whatnot, uh, you can contact us at inthefinesthour at gmail.com. 
or through our Facebook page, which is also in the finest hour. Mm -hmm. And if you would like something a little bit more ongoing, maybe you appreciate the work we do here on the podcast and you want to throw five bucks a month at us, we have a Patreon that you can subscribe to, which gets you into the private Facebook group, as well as the the Discord channel where we chat with all of our fans and kind of talk about lists, talk about exercise programs, post shitty memes, all that kind of thing. <laughs> So, yeah, if you, you want to get on that and you want to throw us a little money, we really appreciate it. Uh, it's, it's always a, a nice deal for you and for us as we get to interact with our fans a little bit. Yes. I would also like to put out a thanks not only to all the people who support us, but also to Dank Muse, who has provided the music for this episode and every episode. Uh, you can check out his stuff on Spotify, YouTube, or SoundCloud. I'd like to thank Rylan Woodrow for doing our awesome micronography and Stephanie Sherman for doing our shirts. Mm -hmm. And I would like to offer up anyone that wants to uh, possibly throw some advertisement and or get uh, some um, get your name dropped on our on our shows. Please feel free to reach out to us at uh, either the email or Facebook page that was presented above. Yeah, you can't pay us to just say your name on the podcast. We are that. Low. True, we're not we're not like we're not going to be real picky about uh what sort of sponsorships we take here uh, i don't think we're really in the position to be exercising our moralistic judgments on all of that i might oh okay well we just won't tell you then <laughs> he doesn't understand that i edit this thing does he i i'm assuming that your moralistic judgments will force you to leave it in because otherwise it would be lying we're going with lying <laughs> right. So, I think that calls it for this episode. Join us next week when we will be talking about a topic that I know we have glanced over a number of times, but we'll sort of cover it in detail, setting goals for yourself. Yep, it's actually important. Mm-hmm. So, for In the Finest Hour, I've been Sean Morgan. Shailen Allen. And Joshua Duff. Thanks for listening. Wow.